0: For those of you who perhaps weren't here on Wednesday night, uh, we had a uh, a great restoration of uh, one of the uh, couples that uh, had uh, been a member of our fellowship and had drifted away and uh, had come on back, and that's uh, Ricardo and Cindy Lincone, and uh, I think uh, they're here. Uh, Go ahead and stand up wherever you guys are. Uh, Back and back. Uh, And baby, uh, and, and so... I thought that since we were having lunch together, it would be appropriate to preach on the parable of the great banquet. So, uh, you know, it it seemed to fit the the context of the day, right? So, are you in Luke 14? We're going to read the parable. Actually, we're going to go back a little bit into the text in Luke 14, but we're going to start uh, actually at the parable beginning in verse 15. You there? Okay, here we go. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, so as you can tell, this is sort of a continuation of what had been going on earlier, and we're going to go back and look at that in just a moment, but uh, we'll, we'll read this right now. He says, Blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready but they all like it be, uh, began to make excuses the first said i have just bought a field and i must go and see it please excuse me another said i just bought five yoke of oxen and i'm on my way to try them out please excuse me so another said i just got married so i can't come the servant came back and reported this to his master then the owner of the house became angry And ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town, and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you have ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out into the roads and country lanes, and make them come in, so that my house will be full. I tell you that not one of those men who were invited will get a taste of my banquet." So the parable of the great banquet is basically about making excuses. Now this is something that every single person in the room can relate with, because we've all made an excuse at one time or another. Yes. All right?
1: Yes.
0: Some of us are better at it than others. Well. Some of us have more experience in making excuses than others. Yeah. But every single one of us at one time or another in our life has made an excuse. And we're going to go and we're going to talk about the idea of making excuses in a few minutes. But I want us to go back to chapter 14, verse 1, and actually see the context of what's going on here. Because I believe it ties together, as usually it does if we go and look at the context, of why did Jesus actually say some of the things that he said. Beginning in verse 1. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat at the house of a prominent Pharisee, He was being carefully watched. Now, put your finger there and look back to Luke 11, verse 53, the very end of the chapter in Luke 11. Because he's at the home of a Pharisee, a prominent Pharisee, and he's being watched carefully, right? Isn't that what it says? So we have to go back even a little further to understand what's going on there. It says uh, in uh, Luke uh, 11, and verse 53, When Jesus left there, the Pharisees and teachers of the law began to oppose him fiercely and besiege him with questions, waiting to catch him in something he might say. So that's, that's sort of the, uh, the the context of Jesus being at this Pharisee's house, is that they were trying to catch him in something he might say and so that they could... Uh, either persecute him, or maybe even uh, bring him up before charges to discredit him, make him look bad uh, or silly or stupid or that kind of thing. Yeah. So that they're 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 trying to okay, we're going to trap Jesus. So what they do and the plan they come up with is we're going to invite him over to one of our homes. We're going to insert in the crowd a person that he might want to heal. To watch him and see what he will do. So that's what's going on in chapter 14, verse 1, as we read. Now look at verse 2. There in front of him was a man suffering from dropsy. Now isn't it amazing that you would just happen to have somebody there with this problem? This is a setup. They're trying to set up Jesus to see what he will do. Because if he will heal this guy on the Sabbath, they're going to say, now wait a minute, you're working on the Sabbath. And you shouldn't be working on the Sabbath. If he doesn't do anything to help this guy out, they're going to say, well, man, you don't love people. And so they think, okay, we've got him now. We're going to catch Jesus. So there in front of him was a man suffering from dropsy. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, is it lawful... To heal on the Sabbath or not? So Jesus turns the whole thing on them.
1: He asks them the question.
0: But they remain silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him away. Then he asked them, if one of you has a son, or if you look at the footnote there, it says a donkey. I can't, but Must have been quite a son. Or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull him out? And they had nothing to say. You see, even in the Old Testament law, it said you should not work on the Sabbath, but it gave freedom that if, if one of your livestock animals fell into a hole, that you, you could help your, your, your donkey or your ox or your child. <laughs> you, you could help them out of the hole, even though that is actually working to do that, Even in the Old Testament law, it said, well, you know, if if your donkey does, you know, trip and fall, you know, you can help him up and and we'll allow that on the Sabbath. And so Jesus said, now, wait a minute, if you can help out your donkey, if you can help out your ox on the Sabbath, wouldn't it seem that it would also be okay to help? A fellow human being, if you have the ability to help him? And, of course, what do they say? Nothing. Nothing. They have nothing to say. Jesus' logic is pure and perfect. Verse 7. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast... Do not take the place of honor, for a person more distinguished than you may also have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, Give this man your seat. Then humiliated, you will have to take the place of least importance. But when you are invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, Friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all your fellow guests. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Now, remember, we're setting up, why does Jesus tell this parable of the great banquet? Well, he's at the house of the Pharisees. They're trying to trap him. He solves that problem. But as he watches the behavior of the people that he's at this dinner with, he notices that they're all sort of jockeying for position to get the most important place at at the dinner that they, they can have the, the most prominent place. And Jesus says, guys, let me give you a little bit of advice here. It would be smarter to go to the lower place, because if you're supposed to be at the higher place, the guest that is there is going to be taken out and embarrassed, and you're going to be brought up and put in this place, and you're going to feel a whole lot better about that. But he says, you're going to feel terrible. If you go and get the best place, the best honoring place, and then the, the host of the whole dinner has to come to you and say, uh, 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 Sir, I, 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 that's not your seat. <laughs> and then he says, You're going to be humbled, and you're going to have to go see, you know, be seated somewhere else and, and take a lower place. And he ends with this, this famous saying that whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And he who humbles himself, uh, or, or uh, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. So Jesus looks around and says, there are some really prideful people here in this audience. In this house where I'm at right now, there are some real attention people. I mean, they want the best. They want to be noticed as being the best. Some really very prideful people. But then he also goes on, he says, then he said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers, or your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you'll be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. He says, you know, I'm in a room here with some really prideful people, and I'm in, some, uh, in a room of people here that really don't care about people. Because you've, you've invited all these, these people to this, this luncheon you're having here, because they're your rich friends and your prominent friends, and you're hoping that they're going to invite you to the dinner they're going to be having. And you don't care at all about the people around you that really have needs. So Jesus is in this house now, he's healed this guy, he's sort of, you know, got out of their trap, and he's made this note, and you guys are really prideful, and you don't care at all, or much, about people around you. Now, you get the context? Now he goes in to the great banquet. Because this one guy, we don't know if this guy is just a, a, a very exuberant guy or whatever. He said, hey, bless this the man who eats with you in heaven. <laughs> you know, at every, every, every uh, dinner party like that, you've got someone that's just, uh, you know, a little exuberant. A yeah. little fired up. You ever known someone like that? Yeah. You ever known uh, yourself to say something that was a little bit too exuberant? You ever done that? In in a in a party or a setting like that, and you're like, oh, that was a wish I hadn't said that. Got a little carried away. So Jesus now goes into this famous parable about the great banquet. He says this: the master has prepared the great banquet. The great banquet is heaven, having a relationship with God. And the people begin to make excuses about why they don't want to come. Now, think about that. If someone right now could tell you, you can transport straight to the heavenly gates, would you make excuses? Well, you'd think you'd say, hey, you know, I'm going to take that right now. I'm going to go. But they began to make excuses about why they didn't want to come. I just bought a field, and I need to go see it. Please excuse me. Business problem. I just bought five yoke of oxen. Another business problem. Please excuse me. At least the first two guys say, Please excuse me. The third guy says, I just got married. Can't (laughs) come. I don't know who he married. Uh, and and what if this is any reflection on her, or, or maybe not? Well. I can't come. Have you ever known about something in your life that you should do, a proper way you should act, changes you need to make in your life, and you know you need to do it, but you make excuses? that ever describe your life? That describes everyone's life in this room. I know I need to do it. Okay, let me help you along in your thought processes here. Has it ever occurred to you that your diet is not as healthy as it might be? Should be? (laughs)
1: <laughs>
0: too much too much sugar in your diet too too much flour in your diet too much fat in your diet you know you you, you sit down and you know the appropriate statement should be, I'm I'm getting my fat calories up. I mean, you know. Maybe I shouldn't say this right before lunch, you know.
1: Uh.
0: You know what, for almost everybody, I mean, that's something I like. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I know, I know. Yeah, you ever had the thought I I need to work on my cardiovascular exercise a little bit? I need to maybe you know walk or jog or run or swim or something like that. Since we just finished tax season, did, 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 have you ever had that thought? You know, coming you know through January, February, March. <laughs> I need, I need to get my taxes done. You, you ever have that thought? Oh, I don't want to. Oh. pay the bills. Of course, you know that that and paying the bills almost going out out of style. You know, everybody pays their bills online now. That you know, it's almost uh, you know maybe paying the bills is something that will be of of the past. Uh, who knows? But. All of us in our life, at one time or another, we've had things in our life I need to do, and we begin to make excuses. Jesus talks about excuses here. Look over to the book of Proverbs, chapter 22. It's a great uh, famous little proverb here about making excuses that uh, uh, is actually humorous, but that makes a point. In uh, Proverbs, chapter 22, and verse 13.
1: Proverbs 22 and verse 13.
0: The sluggard says, there's a lion outside. Or, I'll be murdered in the streets. Probably neither one of those things are real. But when we don't want to do something, or when we're struggling with doing what we know we should do, oftentimes we exaggerate how bad it's going to be. You know, going back to the taxes thing. It's going to take me hours and hours and days and days. And we exaggerate how hard it's going to be, or how awful it's going to be if we do this. There's a lion outside! Ah! I'll be murdered in the streets! We exaggerate. We, we, we go to the uh, ridiculous... Uh, sometimes, uh, you know, saying uh, how hard it's going to be or how awful it's going to be. Sometimes we imagine that in our own mind. Uh, you know, uh, I, I have to tell a story on my wife here. Uh, she began exercising a few months ago. She was going to do a half marathon. Uh, and uh, she did it, actually. Uh, but uh, she was talking to my son about, well, how long, you know, are you sore uh, when, when, when you start exercising? Uh, and is it, is it a week or, you know, uh, is it a couple weeks or whatever? And they were talking back and forth and all that. And, uh, you know, Chris was very concerned about how long she was going to be sore. And, and you, know, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, you go out and you start getting back into shape. And the first time you go and exercise and you feel awful. Yeah. You, you ever had that feeling? You know, and and the thought of after, you know, doing it one time, actually getting out and doing it a, a, a second time. It's like, oh... I don't know, I feel so terrible now. It's gonna be worse! I know it's gonna be worse! And my ankle hurts, and I've got a, you know, a bunion, and, and, and I, I don't wanna run. I'm, I, I, you know, all, everybody in my family has hip problems, and, you know, I I I, 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 twisted my knee when I was in high school, and I'm sure that my knee, I'm, I've got a meniscus problem, I know if I start exercising, and, you know, before long, man, we, we, we've got this whole thing built up in our mind that it's gonna be awful. If, if, if I start doing what I know I should do, making excuses. Let me talk to the marrieds here for a few minutes. Okay, where are I know there's singles here, so singles, you can just sort of uh, enjoy the moment. Uh, but uh, uh, marrieds, you know, ha- have you ever known? Okay, uh, we need to go out on a date. A date. Now, date is not sitting at home and watching television. Okay. I know we need to go on a date. But there's a lion outside. I'll be murdered in the streets. I know I need as a husband or wife I know I need to be more loving and affectionate and appreciative to my spouse. See, this is not gender specific here, you know. I know I need to tell my husband or my wife that I love her. You know? Well... I'm not ready yet. I'll be ready tomorrow. I was going to, and then she did that. And, and that, I'm telling you, I just, I, I'm not feeling it right now. See, a lot of times in our life, it's not the issue of whether we know what we should do. We actually know what we should do. Many, many times in our life, it's not an issue of whether we know what we should do. It's an issue of whether we're willing to push through the feelings or the moment to do what we know we should do. And I, I, I'm not sure if I know what I should do to make my, my wife feel good. My guess is you know exactly what you should do. You're just making excuses. Well, not today. I mean, you know, the Lakers got a big game right now, honey. Don't you understand? The playoffs are coming up, and if they lose today, they're not—they're not not going to be in the third position. They're going to be in the fourth position, and I need to watch that game today because if I don't watch it, I'm not—I mean, whether I watch it or not has a huge bearing on whether they win or lose. If I'm watching, they're much more likely to win.
1: That's why God created
0: DVR. You can can get through the game faster anyway, you know, that, that kind of thing. Making excuses about things that we know that we need to do. Now, who is Jesus dealing with here? Who's the audience? He's dealing with people that are prideful. He's dealing with people that have problems sometimes loving those that that are in need of their love. And these are the people that are making excuses about decisions they need to make in their spiritual life. As Christians, we should pray regularly. We should read our Bible regularly. We should be involved with each other in Christian relationships where we're encouraging each other, teaching each other, counseling each other, challenging each other, rebuking each other, correcting each other, the one another relationships of of a dynamic Christian life. We should be sharing our faith with those who are not saved with the hope that we can help them to become Christians themselves and make a decision that we've made in our life. These are things that, as any Christian, every Christian should be going on in our life. On a regular basis, we know these things. But we make excuses about why we're not doing them in our life. I'm too busy with my job. I'm too busy with the things that are going on in a recreational uh, part of my life. I'm too busy with my family. I, I, I don't seem to have time. Many times in our life, it's not an issue of whether we know what we should do. It's an issue of whether we, need to di- uh, whether we are willing to discipline ourselves in the other areas of our life. If you are too busy to do the things in life that are the important things, then perhaps you're too busy. Perhaps you have let your schedule become full of all these things that in and of themselves are not necessarily bad things at all. But they now have demanded your attention and they've demanded your time to the point where now you don't have time to be still and know that I am God. You don't have time to read your Bible and think about what it says. You don't have time to take a walk in your backyard or down the the street or in the park and pray. It's not a matter of whether you know what you should do. It's a matter of being too busy. Sometimes our lives are too cluttered. Sometimes we allow ourselves to be interrupted too much. There's times in your life, I know this is, this is going to shock some of you. You need to turn off your telephone. Oh, no, you're not connected with Facebook for ten minutes. <laughs> Jesus is talking to people that are prideful and have lost their love for people around them. And he says, guys, you've you got too much going on in your life. You're making excuses. You got to quit making excuses. You know the the interesting thing with the parable is he goes and he uh, he reports this to the owner of the house, who is in the, the context of the parable is God, and God is angry. He's angry. He's actually angry. He feels a sense of anger at their rejection. You know, most of us don't like to be rejected. I don't. I don't think I'm the only one in the room that we feel, when we're rejected, that, that sort of makes us feel insignificant, right?
1: right.
0: Sort of a, a rotten feeling to, to have that feeling of rejection. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not fast enough. I'm not talented enough. Makes us feel lousy. We're created in the image of God. This passage says that that the God figure of the parable is angry. and says, hey, then go out and invite all these people. Who does he say to invite? He says, go out into the streets and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Now, why would you go out and invite those people? You would invite those people because they would see and be fired up about their need. They wouldn't look at it and say, oh, no big deal. They would say, wow, what an opportunity. Now, I've got to tell you, it doesn't make any difference whether you're a Republican or whether you're a Democrat. If you got an invitation to have a meal at the White House, how would you feel? Man, I'm telling you. If I got an invitation, I I can't imagine how that would ever happen. If I got an invitation, we'd like you to come and sit down with the President of the United States and have a meal in the Executive Mansion. I would be fired up. And I would dare say you would too. You would say, you got to be, and, and you know, and don't even go there with the, the Republican or Democrat thing. You just say, hey, I don't care who is in the office. I want to be there. This is great. You feel that way about it? You know, there are people in, in our world, in our country, that if they get an invitation to go to the White House, they say, you know, I ain't going to like going. I've been there several times. Eh, not that big a deal. I can't come. I can't quite imagine what I wouldn't change in my schedule. If I got invited. would say, well, I, you know, can you come on May 15th? I'd say, well, that's Ben's birthday. Ben, we're going to celebrate your birthday before your birthday.
1: <laughs>
0: okay, well, the only day, Mr. Fuquay, we can we can work you in is October 12th. Oh, Chris, that's our wedding anniversary. Okay, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna go. Uh, we we're, we're gonna go to Hawaii, honey. But it's gonna be a week later.
1: <laughs>
0: I mean, you know, you've got to create a diversion and and, <laughs> and, and you and you got you got sweeten the pot. But what what wouldn't you change? You would change anything. Someone's birthday, the anniversary. The Super Bowl, the only day we can invite you is the day of the Super Bowl. I say, okay, fine, amen. <laughs> DVR the thing and I'll watch it when I get home. <laughs> gonna have lunch with the Obamas in the executive mansion. That's why he says, go out and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame, because they're gonna be
1: fired up.
0: How does God want us to be about the opportunity to have a relationship with Him? On earth and in eternity. He wants us to be fired up. He doesn't want us to be like the rich guys. And the guys who don't love anybody anymore. He says, man, the people that are going to be the kind of people that are going to really be in heaven are the people that are going to be fired up. And happy and grateful that they got an invitation. And the guy comes back and he says, hey, I did that. And there's still room. Servant came back and said, what you've ordered has been done and there's still room. Then the master told his servant, go on to the roads, the country lanes. I mean, go get anybody. I mean, people in the country. And make them come in. Compel them to come in. Convince them to come in. So that my house will be full. God wants the house to be full. He wants us to be there. He wants to have a relationship with us. And then, really, a sobering comment right at the end. I tell you, not one of those men who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. You think you don't appreciate rejection? The Lord doesn't appreciate rejection. He's not big on being rejected. Jesus says here, don't be so big. Don't be so important. Don't be so rich. Don't be so unloving that you ever fit into the category that I'm describing here in this parable. Well, we're going to have a great banquet here this afternoon. I know I made something here this morning. I brought it, my uh, my famous mac and cheese. So it, 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 it's in there. Uh, you're going to have to be early in, in the line if you want to get some of my mac and cheese. I can assure you that because it's going to go quick. And uh, uh, I know a lot of you brought your good dishes as well. Let's, uh, let's seriously go away, though, with a, a, a real sober, uh, in, in a sense, understanding. Hey, we need to be grateful, we need to be happy, we need to be fired up. Don't make excuses about things in your life. You need to do things, you need to make decisions in your life. Let's, let's be people conviction, and let's make those good decisions. And uh, I guess what we'll do here, I'll, I'll just lead a prayer right here for the meal. Then we'll be dismissed, and of course we can head on in and enjoy our luncheon together. Father in heaven, thank you for our meal. Thank you for our fellowship. It's so good to be with uh, the the family here, the spiritual family. And uh, I pray that today that we'll just have a wonderful time sharing a meal, sharing fellowship. Uh, Thank you for all those who are guests with us here today. Uh, And thank you uh, that you've uh, worked in our lives to influence them and to uh, maybe invite them. And I pray that uh, they also will feel uh, very welcome in in, uh, our fellowship and the time that we have together. Father, you are good to us beyond what we could ever imagine. Who are we? Who are we that you should uh, f- f- express your love so much to us? We are n- nothing. We're nothing special. Uh, but God, we're just grateful uh, that we have a relationship with you. So, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.